Well, good morning, 11 a.m. Um, we're in week three of this series here. Uh, Hayah, that you see on the screen. Uh, if you haven't been here for the past couple of weeks and you're wondering what that word means, you're not alone. A few weeks before the new year, God began to pound one word into my spirit. Uh, revive, revive, revive. Over and over, I got that word, revive, revive. And so I began to do some word studies on it, looking up where it's in the Bible, how it was used in the Bible, what was the original language there. And here was the, that was the original. When it said revive, that was the original word. Here's what it means. To live, cause to live, to stir up or rekindle as a fire, to recover from a state of neglect, obscurity, or depression, to refresh with joy or hope. Over the past couple of weeks, never has it been more clear to me as to why God spoke this word and began to speak it into my spirit. We need to be revived. We need to take place in our life. Areas that have been neglected, areas that we've overlooked, things that we've just kind of put on autopilot. And God wants to bring them back to life. A couple of weeks ago, I was going to do my daily reading, and a verse hit me and kind of stuck out to me. And it was Matthew 24, 12. Let me do something with this mic, or I will destroy it. Here's what it said. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. I'm one of those people, I like to look at different translations. I want to see how it's paraphrased in different ways. And I began to look, okay, how's it set over here? How's it set over here? What, what is the original? And the passion, man, that the paraphrasing of this verse nailed me. Because it reminds me where I believe we're, we are as a state of people, a church, not just our country, but us this, there will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and for others will grow cold. If I could describe what I've witnessed over the past year, that would be it. The state of sin and lawlessness that has kind of taken over and, 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 and the church followers of Jesus Come on, I'm seeing more and more Christians, more and more followers of Jesus who instead of becoming more and more loving toward God and more and more loving toward others, becoming more and more bitter and angry, hateful. Come on, don't believe me? Check out your Facebook post. Check out your page. I, I've watched, now, I'm going to tread into some water here and I'm hoping I can make my way back out but if not that's alright because I've watched people post on their social media pages over the past week things hashtag not my president only adding fuel to the fire 
And y'all know me, I'm not a political pastor or person that will use their platform to tell people what I think. But I am that pastor, that person that will use this platform and this pulpit to tell you what I say, what the Bible says about things. I refuse to allow my feelings trump what God says. Are you following me? Uh, on the day of President uh, Biden's inauguration, someone I know very well. Uh, posted on their Facebook, uh, your Facebook page a picture of uh, Joe Biden with the caption, he's not my president. So I, I don't, I don't want to stir up things. So I sent him a pers- private message with just this, Romans 13, 1 and 2. I didn't even type it out. I thought, I'm going to make you look it up in the Bible. So you can't say Kelly's just misquoting it. Romans 13, 1 and 2. I get a quick reply. I agree we should pray for him, which the scripture doesn't say anything about praying for him. I just don't agree with with what he has to say or uh, things he stands on, to which I responded. That's fine. You don't have to agree with someone to show honor. Respect is earned. But as they leave me alone, but if you're wondering where Denise and I, your pastors, Stand on this presidential debate. Let me be very clear. And I'm going to give you two reasons why I say this. President Biden is our president. Vice President Kamala Harris is our vice president. Why? Two reasons. One, because I'm an American citizen. And I do not plan on changing that. I'm American. Period. Two, because as a follower of Jesus... Are you hearing me? Because I'm American, before I'm American, before I'm Southern, by the grace of God, I am a Christian. And I go by the Bible and not my personal feelings. Are you hearing me? Your personal feelings will lie to you. Your personal feelings will get you in in fights. Your personal feelings will cause you to say and do things that you regret. Come on, can I get a witness? Come on now. Some of y'all, your feelings got you into that first marriage. And second. And third. Got on what God says. What God says. And since I've waited out here, I might as well go in a little bit deeper. Here's what bothers me most. I've seen Christians, even in our, our body, our community, but I've seen followers of Jesus that have become more and more passionate that once burned with a passion for God who used to could not wait to get up and join others in worship. And I've watched them grow cold. Because here's the truth. We all have passion. I just believe it's gone displaced and put in the wrong places. Every one of us has a passion. If you're wondering uh, what passion really means, here's two great definitions that I found. Passion, a strong and barely controllable emotion, an intense desire or enthusiasm for something. The other one, a strong feeling, a great devotion and intense conviction which fuels us or motivates us toward compelling action. That's 
passion. And that's why I see a lot, say I see a lot of people that are very passionate about politics, very passionate about their favorite restaurant, very passionate about their favorite food, because you say one word against it, and man, you, you know, you're going to leave there with some scars. They're passionate. They're passionate. And I believe the church, like I said, man, I don't believe. Here's the thing about passion. Have you ever woke up to a flat tire? Anybody ever woke up, you had a flat tire? And so you, you put air in that tire, head off to work or whatever you got to do. You come back home, and then you wake up in the morning, next morning, flat tire. And you do it over and again. Over again. Finally, you think, man, I've got I to gotta go take this thing to get fixed. Or you use that redneck ingenuity and go down here to Four Corner and get you them in plugs and do it yourself. But you realize, you, or you know, or other redneck ingenuity, get you some dish soap and water, pour it all over the tire to see where that leak's at. Come on, anybody done that? And you discover, I've got a slow leak. I need to fix this. See, the thing with people that, whose hearts won't burn, once burn with a passion for God, I don't think they suffered a blowout. I think there was a slow leak in it. And what happens is Sunday, they put the air compressor on there and fill it up. And instead of fixing the leak, they rely on making it Monday through Saturday before they need to fill that tire back up. The problem with that, anybody ever done that and then found yourself on I-75 broke down with a busted tire? And that's the problem with letting passion for God run low. Man, it's ever, for, that, for a time, you can air it up and get through air it up, but sooner or later, you're going to find yourself broke down somewhere. That's what the problem with passion. Three truths you need to know about passion. Nothing significant in life gets done without passion. Nothing. In fact, George Willem Friedrich Hegel said this, Nothing great in the world has ever been accomplished without passion. Second truth you need to know about passion. Most winners in life are just ex-losers who found their passion, who realized their passion for it. One quote said this, Passion may be more important to success or winners than mere talent. Passion. Third truth. The worst kind of bankruptcy a person can go through is not loss of their house, not loss of money, not loss of anything. It is the loss of passion. Here's what one writer said. Loss of passion is worse than depression. With depression, you can still express yourself through writing or even thinking. But with the loss of passion, you are completely empty inside. I tell you the truth, passion is a difference maker for a Christian when it comes to being able to show compassion to the world. Passion is a difference maker when it comes to helping your neighbor do something, when it comes to praying for someone. Passion is a difference maker when it comes to being a light in this dark world. Come on. Passion is a difference maker when it comes to us bringing hope to the hopeless or joy to the joyless. Passion is a difference maker. Met yesterday with some of our staff uh, and leadership to pour into them a word that I felt like God was giving me, uh, had given me just for them yesterday morning. 
and it's kind of along the same lines as today, but I sent out a text that said, what are you most passionate about? And I said, Let, let's frame that in within the, next, within the last 10 to 12 months. With COVID hit and all this, what, what, where did you find your passion, your most passionate? My dad used to say this. You remember, remember when you used to write checks? Something else he'll do? Uh, I haven't written a check in so long, I think I forgot to spell my name. Uh, my dad would say, say this, I'll know where your heart is by looking at your checkbook. Yeah, some of y'all was like, oh, I knew we'd get the money. You know, we're not going to talk about money. But I asked him, I said, what are you passionate about? Here's some of the answers I got. Spouse, which only one of the women on staff said spouse because and it wasn't my wife or Ben's wife or Casey's wife. We were kind of disappointed in that. But then he said, no, when I said family, that was encompassing all. But we like shout-outs. That's right, we like shout-outs. Family, animals. One, two people had the audacity to put cats. And now we know where the demons lie and they're, come on, he's up now. <laughs> Some of y'all are more disappointed than that than I said President Biden's my president. I take that with cats. I said, I'm sorry. Don't you talk about my little kitty. I don't know where that voice comes from. That's a new one. Sports. They're passionate about sports. One guy even wrote failing sports team. And he is a uh, Cleveland Browns fan and an Ohio State fan. <laughs> Politics, cars, guns, hunting, fishing, grandchildren. I can relate. Movies, music, church, seeing people saved and changed. Here was my wife's, and her name didn't even have to appear in the text for people to know it. Uh, she said, finding good deals on any and everything. She tells people she got me on a clearance rack. Uh, some people are passionate about food. Paul added steak in particular. Passionate about a job. Let me ask you, what are you passionate about? If you thought over the past 10, 12 months, what are you most passionate about? So, uh, several years ago, George, George Gallup uh, did a survey uh, of, of uh, 13,000 people from 130 different co co uh, countries. And, and there was a lot of questions on this, but here was one question that really stood out. Uh, he, he, and it was geared toward people that used to attend church, but now they don't. And the question was, what would, it, what would need to happen for you to, to return to the church? The number one answer people gave to see passion in the lives of the members and the leaders of the church. Now, here's what I want you to ask yourself, and don't answer out loud, but do be truthful. Are you more passionate about some things in your life, more passionate about those than you are about your relationship with God, His house? Has things in this world been like a vampire and just sucked any kind of joy out of you from coming to church? Has it sucked just anything out of you from where you just don't really care? You become very apathetic. One person said, uh, answer this question that I asked on the text, I love many things, 
God, people, etc. But passion takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of energy. So I'm not saying when I ask you if you're what are you are you more passionate about something other than God? I'm not saying you've lost your that you don't love God. I'm not saying that you've fallen away from God, but I'm asking, has your passion for your relationship with God has it run dry? Has it run dry? Revelation 2, Jesus actually speaking here, and he begins to address the church at Ephesus. And he begins, starts out good. He's bragging on them. He said, listen, I've looked at your good deeds, the way you care for people, the way you do Man, you are knocking it out of the park when it comes to those things. You don't tolerate wicked people. Uh, you call out false prophets and apostles, and those are great commendations. And then he even ends with this uh, in verse 3. You have pers persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Those are great compliments, right? If you're a church. The one that really gets, he's doing everything right. But here's what I have against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. You're still showing up at church. You're even volunteering serving in some capacity. You, hey, you even started the year out on a Bible program, Bible app, going to read the Bible in a year. You're, you're fasting. On the outside, it, it appears you are spiritually alive. You've got it going on. But inside, there is no passion for me. Your heart doesn't beat for me or my things like it used to. I think for a lot of us, one of the things is we've just grown complacent. We've just settled in, uh, kind of like just turned our mind off and put it on autopilot. You know, the plane, it, this is where I'm going. It knows where I'm going. I don't ever take any detours, don't ever get off path, so I'm just going to shut my mind off and get to where I'm going. And we've done that in our relationship with God. Um, reminds me of this story. Um, this man, he that loved old books. I mean, he had a passion for old books. And he met up with an acquaintance of his that had just thrown away, this true story, thrown away a Bible that had been stored in his attic uh, of his ancestral home for generations. The guy that had the book, that the Bible that he threw away said this, I couldn't read it. Somebody named Guten something had, had printed it. The guy that loved books says, not Gutenberg. See, the Bible, the Gutenberg was the first book ever printed. He looked at his friend and said, just a few weeks ago, one of those copies sold for $2 million. The guy said, well, mine wouldn't sell for a dollar because someone named Martin Luther had scribbled all over the pages of it. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. The man did not know if we can... Get Bobber to help with that. He didn't know what he had. Why? Because it had been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And in the South, here's where I think we're guilty. Our faith gets passed down to generation to generation to generation. And we're not even aware of the value of our relationship with God. And we throw it away or we neglect it or pass it on. 
I'm telling you guys, what we have, we've got to protect. If that man, I guarantee you, if that man knew he had a two-plus-million-dollar book in his attic, it would not be in his attic hid away. Come on. If you had a two-million-dollar lottery ticket, you wouldn't just throw it out on your desk. You wouldn't just put it out on your table. Son, that thing would go with me wherever I went with a gun in tow. <laughs> Come on, are you with me? Because it's value. What we value, we protect. See, anybody here? Which I know the answer is. It's funny, though, how we don't have to be reminded that we're hungry, right? Like we're not going through it. They said, oh, man, I was hungry. I forgot all about being hungry. Why? Because we're wired. That, that's the way we're wired. It's like we get a notification. Oh, you're hungry. Eat. Oh, you're hungry. Eat. Why? Because your body knows when it's hungry. But I think spiritually, we, are, we have developed the ability to go days, weeks, months, and even years without experiencing the presence of God and not even realizing it because everything else that's going on in their life that we're trying to pray about, we're trying to get this, it's all an indication that we are literally starving for the presence of God. We're starving for it. But something has gotten away. And I want so bad, guys, for you to be passionate for God. And I know, man, if you're new here, if you, somebody invited you, I want to be like I normally, the funny guy that gets here and everybody talks about how funny Pastor was, a stupid joke. But I'm telling you, this is the word for our body right now. I want so bad for you to be passionate for God. I want so bad for you to be hungry for God, for prayer, for reading His Word, for worship, for serving. But here's the thing, I can't do it for you. See, people say, Pastor, pray with us that we'll get this. Pray with us that God will move this. If I were to ask at the beginning of this message before I went anywhere, how many want to be more passionate for God? How many want to be closer to God? Those that are followers of Jesus, you, well, absolutely. But here's our approach. Ben here owns a gym. He's absolutely passionate about health. And don't even get him started on what you should eat. Thank God I'm on this whole 30 thing, and he has not been able to bash my diet at all right now. And he's proud of me. But if I say, hey, Ben, I want to get in the best shape of my life. I'm, praise God. Lord, speaking. Yes, you No, no, stay here. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Listen, ain't nobody else in this house I can give this. Well, maybe Leo. Uh, but I... I want I, you on a gym, I, and I, I want to be in the best shape. I want to be ripped. I want to be able to take my shirt off and not be embarrassed about where things are lying when I lay down on the beach. I want, I want, to, I want, and then I say, I tell you what, now you know what I want. Do that for me. I'm gonna sit at home and watch TV. That's the approach we take when it comes to getting closer to God. Going more passionate. Pastor, this is what I want. This is what I need you to do. But I'm not going to do anything myself. I want you to do all the praying, all the seeking God for me. Come on. Is it too real, church? As Chris Lum would say, oh, I smell flesh burning. <laughs> but I love you guys. And I want you to hear, hear. I want you to look as if this is the father of this house speaking to you guys. 
Because I want it so bad for you. Because when I read the Bible, it's evident to me that, that followers of Jesus should be passionate. Almost, I could say that we have been commanded to be passionate. When you look at things like Ecclesiastes 9.10, where it says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Or John 10.10, Jesus says, hey, here's why I came, to give you life. Not just life, life to the fullest. A passionate life. Or Romans 12, 11, never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Or Ephesians 6, 6, do the will of God with all your heart. I believe we've lost. And honestly, I'm speaking to myself because that's why I met with our staff yesterday. Guys, we've lost something somewhere. And the thing is, as leaders of this house, if we want our people to be passionate about God, we've got to be passionate. Because have you ever noticed, if, if someone is passionate about it, even if they're stupid, they'll find somebody to follow them about it. Come on. We've seen it throughout history because of their, of their passion. And I want us to be passionate people that are passionate for God. Three signs that you've lost your passion if you're taking notes. One is this, routine without intimacy. Through the motions. Just going through the motions. It's what I'm supposed to do. But there's no intimacy. Husbands and wives, come on. You know what that's like. We've all, if you've been married long enough, you've gone through those words. I'm just going through the motions with no real intimacy. And I'm gonna tell you, when there's when you're just going through the routine and no intimacy, that gets old after a while. And what happens to a lot of couples that I'm talking to couples and spirits, I didn't even say this at 9 a.m., but what happens when you fall into that routine without intimacy? They start looking for intimacy somewhere else. And as church people, that's what happens to us. I'm convinced over the past 10 or 12 months, we got into a routine. There was no intimacy. There was no passion. So we faded out and began to find it in everything else and throw ourselves into everything else. The second one is this, service without substance. Again, as Jesus said, hey, you're doing all the right things. You know what you're supposed to do. You're doing what you're supposed to do. But there's no substance to it. I remember when mom was in the hospital and we would have to, one of us boys would have to spend a night with her down there at the hospital. And you know how nurses will come in at every hour of the night. Uh, and, and so you would have that nurse that would come in there that was just doing her job. It was just a paycheck to them. Are you hearing me? Let me just do this. I got to do this. They're rude. And, it's, and honestly, some of them were, you just want to say, just leave. But then you'd have that nurse that comes in. Hey, Miss Goins, how are you doing today? I hate to have to wake you up. I just have to get this. I have to check your vitals. I have to give you your medicine. Are you hungry? Can I get anything for you? Can I do this? And you love to see those nurses walk through the door because they did their job with passion. It had substance to it. But a lot of us, when we lose our passion, one of the signs, we're serving that there is no substance to it. The third sign of lost passion, small compromises. You begin to make these small compromises. 
Little things that you don't think really matter or that anybody will notice. They aren't too bad. You feel empty, and maybe this will make me feel alive again. Come on. You feel empty. You feel depleted. And you're, and something, oh, oh man, oh, I haven't felt that in a while. And so you begin to make small compromises. Let me ask you, where did your passion go? When did you lose your passion? Well, what caused you to lose it? Was it a person? Did somebody do something? What, did, was it a bad experience with a pastor or a church? What, what happened? What situation? Did, did God not answer a prayer? What happened that caused you to lose the passion in your relationship with Jesus? Jesus said, you're doing the right things. You're still showing up. You're still singing the right songs. But it's all just routine with no intimacy. It's all just service with no service, with no substance. And you're making these small compromises. So let me ask you, do you want your passion back? I mean, honestly, those that grew up in church, I miss, those that grew up in this church, I miss the times when Holy Spirit would just take over. Wasn't my agenda. Wasn't Bob's agenda. Wasn't my mom or dad's agenda. Holy Spirit just walks in. I got this. Take a back seat. I got this. I remember seeing no altar call needed to be giving. People just run to the altars. I remember seeing some of you passionately lift your hands to God passionately serve. Don't you miss those times? I mean, honestly, think about it. Don't you miss those, that intimate time with God? What I love about Jesus, though, don't, don't you hate when you come and hear a message and somebody tells you all your problems but don't tell you how to fix them? <laughs> Jesus doesn't do that. Just says you follow Jesus says, hey, hey, here's what I've got against you. You don't love me like you used to. You don't have a passion for this house like you used to. And he begins to lay out his recovery plan. He says this in verse 5. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works of love you did at first. Consider how far you've fallen. The first thing, you want to get back your passion? Remember. Remember. That the, the word consider, it, it, here's the literal translation means to think about, ponder it, rehearse it over in your mind. Think about, man, I remember when I was on fire for God. I remember when I couldn't get enough, when I wanted to be at church, when I wanted to do things. And now, that's a distant memory. Just think about how far you've fallen. Think about when me and you would have intimate conversations. Think about when it was, when, when during a service, man, my presence would fall and you would just stand there and weep. Kelly, I've never had that. Well, God's wanting to restore it. Something you thought you never had. Remember, 
Remember, second thing Jesus says, then repent. Repent. Consider how far you've fallen and repent. What is repentance? A changed mind and a change of direction. That's what repent means. It's, it's saying, you know what, God? I repent. I've been going in this direction. I've put other things ahead of you. I've got priorities that I've put over you with all this going on. I repent, and I'm turning around and coming back to you. That's what it is. See, I'm not talking that during this time, 10, 12 months, man, you've gone out and, and, and committed some heinous sin, or you, 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 you've never used drugs, but now you're an avid heroin user uh, just over time. No, I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about where you've just neglected your relationship with God. you put things before him. You've lost passion for him. You walked this way when he was there. He says, repent. Come back to the Father. And the third, renew. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the works of love you did at first. He says, You've disengaged from me. You need to renew this relationship. You need to renew it. It's time for you to re-engage and go back and do the things you did at first. Do the things when you were passionately in love with me. Return to your first love. And he says, if you will remember, if you will repent, if you will renew, then get this. We have a promise from God that he will begin to renew us. That's his promise. I mean, Psalm 51.10, David prayed this, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. He'll renew your spirit. The, the Greek word there for renew is hadash. Here's what it means, to repair or to restore, to make brand new. He says, make me brand new, God, and put a steadfast, steadfast. The, the word, Greek word there is kun. And here's what it means, to be firmly established, secure, and determined. He said, David prays, God, create in me. Repair this heart that's been broken over and over again, that's been disengaged from you, and put in me this spirit that refuses to ever walk away again. I'm telling you guys, God is on standby with defibrillators in hand, waiting for you to say, I'm ready, God. Shock me back to life. Bring me back to life, God. I've strayed. Let me ask, and I know the answer to this. Because my answer is yes, yes, yes to all these. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burnt out? Has life and the things that's going on in the world caused a heart that once burned for passion for God to grow cold? I, I'm going to be dead honest with you. The past 10, 12 months, I've had a couple of seasons like that. I'm tired, God. I'm weary. I'm worn out. I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. I just tell them at Wednesday night at our uh, Wednesday night class where I'm talking about prayer. 
I said, you know, we're going through this 21 days of prayer. And Denise looked at me one night, and it was one of the nights that one of our other leaders was leading. She said, you going to prayer? And I said, no. She said, you are too. I said, no, I'm not. She said, you're the pastor. You're going. Sometimes we need to be nodded in the right direction. Because, yeah, I'm tired. I've gone through tired times. But here's what God says in Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew, repair, restore, make new their strength. Anybody need to renew their strength? Come on, come on. I need to renew my strength. He will renew their strength. They will soar on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Who will? Those whose hope is in the Lord, not in politics, not in the government, not in a job, not in a doctor, but those who hope in the Lord. I want, I want to soar on wings like eagles. I want to run and not grow weary. I want to walk and not faint, guys. Anybody else? I'm tired of getting going and then a couple minutes in, I'm sucking wind spiritually. God says, remember, repent, renew. And in turn, I will renew your spirit. And I will renew your strength. Now back to my original question. Where'd it go? What happened to you, passion? Maybe it wasn't one thing. Maybe it was just a series of things. Or maybe you just got settled. And now when you remember and contemplate where you used to be with God and where you are now, you can see the great divide. You can see the great divide. See, I'm, I'm convinced the enemy, he doesn't care if he can get you to go out and commit some great sin. If he can get this between you and God if he can steal your passion between you and God because then you just become another person that comes to church out of routine there's no intimacy there's service but there's no substance and you are passionate so the enemy's fine with that are you tired are you fed up Oh, let me, let me take a look. Are you burned out on religion? I am. I'm so, I'm so sick of religion. I'm so tired of religion. I've told you all this a couple weeks ago. Here's the way you spell religion. D-O, do. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But the way you spell a relationship with Jesus is done. D-O-N-E, it's been done. It's done. All I have to do is Accept and receive what he's done. Are you burned out of religion? I love what Matthew 11 says. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me then. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. that you thought you were getting a real rest by some of those sleeping pills or 
What's that stuff you take? Melatonin. No lie, my mom would give her dog melatonin to keep it from barking at night. No lie. Anybody want a real rest? You know the problem with drugs that make you sleep, they say that you're asleep, but your time, that timer in you is not really resting. And that's why you can sleep eight to ten hours on those things and still wake up tired because you've not had a real rest. And I think some of y'all have been sleeping, but you've not had a real rest in a very long time. Then he says this. I want you to notice the rhythm of this. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Feel the rhythm there? Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Say that with me. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how. Say it again. Walk with me. Work with me. And, and he says, and then learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Here's what I'm convinced of. Here's what I'm convinced of, guys. You've got out of rhythm with God. You've got out of rhythm with God. You were going good. And it's hard to dance when you don't know the beat you're supposed to be dancing to. And you're over here trying to dance, trying to find the rhythm, but you're so out of sync with God that you don't know where it's at. And God says, hey, 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 walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Not how Pastor Kelly does it. Not how mom and dad does it. Not how so-and-so. Watch how I do it. Learn the enforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. Keep Keep company with me. Keep company with me. I heard somebody say, Kelly, I can't come out to an hour of prayer. I, I, I fall asleep when I'm praying. I heard Bill Johnson say this. He said, somebody come to me and told me that, that, hey, so the fellow fell asleep. And he said, you know, not once when my children were growing up, did I ever get on to them for coming and falling asleep in my lap? Not once did I ever say, hey, what are you doing here? I think God longs for us to just fall asleep in his lap. I think that's where the real rest lies anyway. Stand with me.